Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulevi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello and a good day to you all out there listening to Usha Tulevi podcast. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen, and on today's episode, we'll have a pro team director from Central Europe, and to be more precise, from Switzerland. And we only have one team from that country, so then we have to be talking about Markus Balser, uh, team uh, BSV Ibex. First of all, Marcus, uh, where are you right now? How are you doing? How are things? I assume you're somewhere in, in Switzerland right now. Hello, all of you out there. At the moment, I'm in Davos. We have, yeah, about five centimeters new snow from Monday. And we are lucky that we can train on the snow farming track in Davos. So at the moment, I'm here with some athletes and train on this track in Davos. So you're actually skiing right now? Yes, we are possible to ski here. It's a four kilometer loop in Flüela on the World Cup track. And yeah, we, we have really good conditions at the moment out there. What about the summer? Was the summer okay with you and your team? Yes, the, the summer was good with the team. Um, we did a lot of training camps. We did about 40 days in training ca camps around here in Switzerland. But we were also in Germany, in Italy. Last week we was in Livigno. So, yeah, we had a really good summer, a lot of training and sometimes nice weather. Not the whole summer, like all over the world. <laughs> Yeah, of course, we can't do anything about the weather. And, and here in Scandinavia, we are waiting for the winter to kick in. Right now, it's kind of gray and cream. But I'm happy to hear that you guys have snow there. Uh, but we'll continue. Wait, next, we'll talk about you, you and your team. And then, of course, towards the end of the episode, uh, we'll get to talk about you as a person. And people get to find out who you really are and why you're doing this, this job. And I assume you also have a have a regular job as well so we can talk about those things but next it'll be your team and the last season and the upcoming season so marcus your team uh bsv ibex first of all what does it mean is it a sponsor if so what kind of a company so who's really funding you guys no it's um it's not a company, we are a team out of a regional team here in Switzerland. Um, it's the biggest regional team in Switzerland and from this regional team we did the Wisma Ski Classics teams, team. Um, about Ibex, Ibex is a famous animal here in this area. We have a lot of Ibexes here in the area and the Ibex is also in, in the flag of the region. So that's why we have BS, BSV 
is the name of the regional team and Ibex is because of the famous animal here in Switzerland. But you still need uh, some sponsors and stuff and, and funding. Speaking of which, uh, in Switzerland, how difficult is that to find and work with partners and sponsors? Um, it's really hard to find sponsors. We are in the lucky position that we get sponsored from uh, yeah, a company. It's not a... Yeah, they, they are not a sponsor in our team on the name or on the car or something like that. But they help us really much. It's just because of them we can do the, the whole Visma team. And you mentioned earlier that your training and the summer season has really gone well for you guys. Uh, but let's talk about that a little bit. And then we go through your team members or your individual team members. I think this is a good platform for you to talk about them and kind of evaluate them and speculate on their chances, you know, come the new season. But first, the training and this, this summer. You mentioned those uh, training camps. Let's talk about those a little bit. What kind of camps and what kind of training sessions did you undertake? Yes. Our training camps are normally five days long. And there in the training camp, we are with the whole team BSV IBEX and also with the regional team from our region. So we have a really good battle between these two teams in the faster sessions, in the interval. And then we do a lot of long distance training just with the Wisma team. Then we are alone, the Wisma athletes. But I think we are lucky that we, we can train together with the normal regional team in the interval sessions, because there we have some good athletes who, yeah, who, who want to go to the Olympics or want to ski in the World Cup. So there we have a really good battle. You mentioned the long distance sessions, you know, for your Bismarck Ski Classics team. Are those, are those very similar to the ones that the Scandinavian teams do, meaning the five hour and sometimes the Vassalop pass type of things? In other words, do you guys uh, simulate or copy the kind of the ideology that these best pro teams have? Yes. The long distance sessions, they are about, yeah three to five hours, um, mostly in double polling. And we do also a, a small Vasa challenge. We have here in our valley uh, a good part where we can do long sessions. And there we do some special training with a, yeah, a single start at the beginning. It's about 45 minutes, a race. And then we do mostly two different intervals four times 10 minutes, or now in the autumn, we do 10 times two minutes. And at the end, we do a must start, one more about 45 minutes. Yeah, that's that's our small Wasser Pass here in Switzerland. That sounds interesting. Do you have breaks in between those sessions or is it just all back to back that you do all those three different Things uh, are just uh... yeah, we have some some breaks about twenty minutes, but there are not breaks 
where the athletes are resting. They are just um, roller skiing in, yeah, in level one in, in normal tempo, I would say. So then it becomes very close to the Pasalo Pasta. They actually yeah. don't take an actual break. They still st stay active. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Good. Very, very interesting. Um, what else have you done with the team besides the uh, training camps? Or is it only the training camps and then each athlete goes on, on his or her own? No, there are the, the training camps, I told you. And then I do two or three times a week. I do a training session here in Davos. Um, it depends. Mostly I have the athletes in the training who are living here in Davos. But sometimes the other athletes joins the tra training session and there we do a lot of technique training. Yes, so we have normally we have three times a week a training session here in Davos together. Well, you guys are pretty active then if you do that three times a week. Is it always roller skiing or do you do Nordic uh, running uh, or walking, meaning running up a hill with the poles? No, normally in the trainings when where I am as coach, we do the most training session on roller skis because I think then I have the best output when I can work on technique with them. So how, the, the, how are the roads over there? If you do roller skiing, how safe are the roads? Because I've I've driven on you know on on you know on those roads and I would be a bit scared to go roller skiing at least in some places. <laughs> Yeah, that's we we have some good roads here in Davos, but it's just yeah the most of the roads are just uphill, and I have to bring them back with the car so that you you can ski or roller ski down the hill. But we have some bicycle roads in Engadin Valley, and also in Pretigal near Davos where we can really good roller ski. On the long sessions, yeah, we we can ski from from Kryblis, who is near Davos, almost to Bodensee. It's about two hundred kilometers, if you want. Wow, well, that sounds pretty amazing. Let's speak about a talk about cross-country skiing in your country. We just learned that uh, your greatest hero, Dario Colonia. Uh, will quit racing after this season. So he's, of course, now still focusing full-time on the upcoming Olympics. Uh, but how is the cross-country skiing in your country and also your team now promoting long-distance skiing, Abysma Ski Classics? But generally speaking, Nordic skiing in Switzerland. Yeah, I, I think Nordic skiing is a small sport in Switzerland. It's now a bit bigger because of Dario. But before Dario, it was a really small sport in Switzerland. So the, the famous sport here is alpine skiing. But I think, yeah, Dario was really good for cross-country skiing in Switzerland, especially in our region, in the Graubünden, where also Dario comes from. We had a lot of young people who want to be like Dario. And I think also... We are lucky that we have big races like Engadin Ski Marathon or La Diagonela. So that's really important for the, the amateur skiers, I think. But so would you, would you say that it's growing because of these events and 
the kind of the exposure that Dario has given that cross country skiing is is um, becoming more popular. Yes, I, I think in the in the last yeah, fifteen years, cross country skiing got bigger in Switzerland, and we could also see last winter with the Corona pandemic, a lot of people, yeah, when there was a lockdown, we were able to ski out. And there were a lot of skiers out on the cross-country tracks. Yes, so I I think, yeah, the last 15 years cross-country skiing growth in for the young athletes who want to be an, a, a professional athlete, and the last maybe five years it growed a bit, yeah, with the amateur skiers. And you certainly have a great uh, places for cross-country skiing. You mentioned the uh, the Engadin Valley, and I think it's one of the greatest places on earth for yeah. cross-country skiing. Yeah. You have like what two hundred uh, kilometers of groomed trails and nice glaciers that you can ski up, and they're always in 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 good shape. They're always groomed well, so certainly that should help. That you have places to do sometimes much better than we have <laughs> have here in Scandinavia, because yeah. as you know how the winter's been lately, so. <laughs> That that yeah. should help. Yes, of, of course. The the scenery is amazing here, I think. And yeah, we have perfect conditions almost the whole winter. So that's really good for all amateur skiers, but also for us as professional athletes. Indeed. Uh, but let's talk about your team. You guys been around, you know, for a while now, but when and how did you kind of get this idea that, hey, uh, a Visma Ski Classics Pro team could be a good idea? Yes, it was about four years ago. I am the head coach of the whole region here. And normally we just start on national FIS races. And there we saw on the Swiss Championships that we have just... Yeah, two or three senior athletes who are training professional and, and racing. And then we thought, yeah, it's, it's a bad idea when we have just two or three senior athletes. And then we started to think what we can do that the, yeah, the senior athletes has a, a better or a, a wider perspective. And then we, we started to think about Visma Ski Classics. And when you guys joined, you know, the first year, how did it kind of feel? What kind of a scene was that for you and your team? Were you like overwhelmed by the kind of the massiveness of, of everything? Yes. Or? Yes, of course. We, we were overwhelmed and we were impressed how good organized the whole um, Visma circus is and yes it, it helped really to get athletes the perspective to go on skiing because they, they saw yeah there is something else not just the world cup and that helps a lot for our team good point is that something that your skiers i mean i, mean, I don't mean just your team skiers but skiers in your country are now realizing that uh, the Olympics or the World Championships or the World Cup isn't the only route that you can choose. Yes, I, I think something changed in, in some athletes. The 
most part of my athletes are athletes who were in the Swiss ski team as juniors and then they weren't good enough to go on with Swiss ski and normally then the athletes stop their career and with the Wisma team they have a new perspective and so yeah we have now five young athletes who continue their career and I think that's that's really important in Switzerland because we don't have too much skiers. That is true, and and that's uh, that was a good segue to to talk about your team uh, one by one because you mentioned that five young ones. But uh, let's start with the older ones because you have two interesting names in your team: Tony Levers, of course, uh, World Cup skier uh, and uh, very well known. Um, Skier in the uh, in uh, and in in the uh, also in the Wisma Ski Classics, he's done some races, but uh, generally speaking, and Ilya Chernushov, you know, who's definitely uh, a used to be regular face uh, in Wisma Ski Classics, La Diagonella uh, winner and um, much a longer winner, if I remember correctly as well. Yes. So um, two really good skiers, but how much have they trained, or how well are they? prepared for the season or is there anything you yeah. can say about these two yes um tony levers he is my my assistant coach in the whole regional team so he is in every training camp he's together with me as coach but yeah he is a really active coach so he's always training together with the athletes and he trains also a lot in his free time when he's not working. So I think he's in quite good shape. And Ilya, he trained, yeah, the, the whole summer he trained by himself. He will start now some sessions together with me. But for Ilya, the main goal at the moment is to, to qualify for World Cup now in December and maybe to qualify for Olympics. And then in start of January, he will see if he gets to the Olympics. If not, he will race for our team. And Tony will do some races like, of course, La Diagonela, the home race. We are planning that he will do the Marcha Longa and yeah, maybe some other races here in Italy. Yes. Okay, so they're still, I mean, pretty active. I mean, if Ilias focusing on the uh, on qualifying, you know, to the Olympics, you know, he's in a good shape or has to be in a good shape. So yes. he's still going yeah. very seriously. And yeah. of course, Tony sort of semi-seriously, but that's good to, good to hear because they are good good names and, and, and inspiration to to uh, many of us, you know, and also for your younger skiers. So, uh, but then the younger ones, uh, let's start with the women first. Uh, and you get to tell about these uh, people because I assume that people out there listening to this don't really know much about them. Maybe people in your country do. Uh, Seraina Kaufmann. Let's yes. Start. Who is she? She is our new team member. She started uh, with long distance skiing this spring. So, so she is new in my team before she was in the normal regional team. But she decided to, to change to Wisma Ski Classics. Um, I think she she improved really in the summer with with double polling. 
Um, she trained a lot of double polling. I think she's in really good shape. And yeah, outside of sports, she's do, doing uh, education to get a teacher. Oh, she's studying to be a teacher? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, what, uh, what field? Uh, just for the primary school here in Switzerland. Okay. Yes. Well, that, that's good. Yes. Uh, all right. And then what about uh, Katarina Paul? Katarina Paul, she is Australian. Um, she is in a relationship with Laura Brandley. So normally we are planning that she is from November to April here in Switzerland. But yeah, for me, it was luck. For her, maybe not so. But during this summer, she couldn't get back to Australia. So, we, so she was the whole year here in Davos training with me. And she tries also in December to get the qualification to the Olympics for the Australian ski team. But in January, she will do some Wisma races. And if she gets to the Olympics, of course, after the Olympics, she will race Vasa Loppet, Birke Weimer. Reisterleppet and Illas Levi. All right. So the, that's that's pretty – seems to me that you have, like, really good team because you have these uh, athletes that are focusing uh, on the, uh, you know, the, the Olympics as well. And uh, going back to the Ilya, by the way, uh, is he – but he's going to do some races for sure after the Olympics, assuming that he gets in. Yes, if he's in, in good shape and, yeah, he was always a bit sick last winter. But yeah, the plan is if he is healthy and in good shape, he will do some races for us, of course, after Olympics. Good. All right. Then the guys, three guys. You mentioned Loro uh, uh, Brandley. Uh, so let's start with him. Yes, he had some back problems last winter, but I think we get rid of these problems. So. He, he trained the whole summer really good, I think. He starts now to get in shape. And yeah, I hope we will see some good results from him. What is a good result? What are the good results that you are expecting him or any of your team members to achieve? Yes. yes. Um, I, I think the development of the series is really big. So we saw last year you need to be a really, really good skier to get in the top 60. So for our young athletes, it's always the goal in every competition to race in the top 60. And if they have a really good day, I think the young athletes are possible to ski under the best 40 athletes. That's a good goal. Then uh, Nico Walter. Yes, he is also, like Lauro, he's now the third year in my team. And he was also training very well the whole summer. He started now uh, a marketing education or study. So right now, at the moment, he is a bit busy. But we, we work out that he still can train really good. I think from the results... He will be at the same level like Laura Brandley. And then finally, Andre Schlittler. Yes, he is the youngest of these three guys. 
Um, he was, or he is, in really good shape in summer. He did some really good roller ski races. Um, so I, I think he is possible to do the, the best results from our young athletes. He is really talented. You can tell him once something technically and he will do it right, right after. So yeah, he is, I think he is possible if he has a perfect race to ski in the top 30. So it seems to me that you have a good team here. You have uh, these young athletes, uh, you have these experienced ones, athletes that are still focusing on, on you know, the big games as well, and then so forth. Uh, now, what about this following season? What about after the Olympics and then, then maybe the, the season, season 13, 23? Dario Colonia, would be he interested in joining you guys? He's done long-distance skiing. Yes, he's done some long-distance skiing races. Um, I, have, I haven't talked with him about long-distance skiing. But, yeah, I can imagine that maybe he's interested to do. And, of course, he's always warmly welcome in our team to do some races for us. That would be nice. And that would be good for the, uh, yeah. the sport as well, to have a, one of the best Olympic athletes, winter athletes ever. Yes, of course. So uh, what about your team's goals? You, you mentioned the individual goals, top 60 to 40, but overall uh, for the upcoming season. And then we'll talk about a little bit of this past season, which was quite unusual because of all the restrictions and, and uh, different kind of races. But first, the season 12, the new season that's coming up. Yes, our main goal is for next season to be in the top 15 in the team ranking. We had some athletes who retired after last season. So I, I think we, we have to give the, the young athletes time enough to, to start their long distance skiing. But our main goal is the top 15 in the team ranking. And then how I told on the main side, our goal is that every athlete is in every race in the top 60 and in on the ladies side the goal is that all ladies are in every race in the top 25 but yeah i i hope we can do some top 15 results on the ladies side and yeah how i told top 40 results on the men side and then of course tony and Ilya. I think they are able to do top 20 results. Indeed, they are. Uh, then what about traveling? Are you planning to do every single event or race or what's your plan? Yes, we plan to do every race, but we will not travel to Tartu Marathon and to RFS Lopet. There we planned uh, yeah, a, a part of of more training, I think for the for our young athletes, it's important that they have also some weeks with training in between the season. So that is why we, we skip Tartu Marathon and RFS Lopet. But all other races, we are planning to take part of it. 
So when you think about that uh, calendar, you said you guys have been part of this for four years now, and each year the calendar is a bit different and new races come uh, and go. How would you sort of evaluate the, you know, the, the calendar overall? I think the, the calendar is very interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's a hard calendar for our young athletes, especially when they don't have really much experience in long distance skiing. But we, we made now two years some experiences. We know some races really good now. And I think the, the calendar is, is great for us. It's hard, but great. Is there anything uh, for the future? Is there anything you'd like to maybe uh, change or add, or or are you just completely content and happy with the with the calendar or the the brand or tour as it is? Um, no, in in generally, we are really happy with the calendar. It's a bit, yeah, not sad, but. It makes a bit difficult, more difficult for us that the start is in Sweden. So we have to travel one more time up to Sweden. And the travel costs for us is, they are always high. But yeah, I'm, I'm more happy when the, the start of the season is in Central Europe. That's the only thing. And I know a lot of uh, people and other teams miss Livigno. It was a great place yes, to start, but of course, yeah. change is always good. Yeah, of course. Uh, what are the primary or the main races for your team? I assume La Diagonela, of course, because it's a local your home. Yes, it's, it's on your home it's turf. For sure, it, yeah. It's for sure the, one of the main goals are good results in La Diagonela. And our second goal is Vasaloppet, yeah, because it's just the, the biggest race we can have. And yeah, so we're really excited to do Vasaloppet once again and do good results there. Yeah, it seems to me that everybody's always keen on, keen on, interested in doing well at Vasaloppet. It is the, the biggest key race and the history and the brand and everything. Yes. Uh, but of course we have the Orifers Lopet, but you guys are are going to miss that. But that is the longest. That is a true yes. long distance yeah. race, hundred k. I'm pretty happy happy to have a race like that in a calendar as well, since we are talking about long distance skiing and Bismarck Ski Classics. Yeah. But of course you guys are missing the race. Yeah. I but, I think Orifers Lopet. Yeah, especially for our young athletes, I think they are done after hundred k, so they are not recovering enough for the races after. So that's why we skip RFS. Well, that's that's good thinking there too. Um, then what about this past season? If you now go back and kind of analyze that a little bit, you know, how happy are you and how did it really go you know, for your team? Um, the, the past season was a quite difficult season because yeah, we were we were not able to plan really, really which races we we gonna do, which are possible to to ski, and I think especially for the athletes that was difficult because they missed all. Yeah, they missed 
in the summer a bit their focus because they didn't have a re really big goal. It was always, yeah, we have to see if it's possible to do this race. And so they lost a bit their focus. But yeah, I'm not too happy with the results we had in, in general, but we had some good results, especially at Vasaloppet from Andri Schlittler and Karin Heuberger. They did really great in, in Vasaloppet and it was also a good season yeah, to collect more experience for our team. So it was not so, so bad at all. What were their places uh, in, uh, at Vasaloppet, Andri and Karin? Andri was place uh, 98, I think. Okay, and, top 100. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Karin top 40, of course. I think it was place 37. Okay, good. Yeah. Very good, very good there. Uh, it was interesting to hear that your team members lost a bit of a focus, lost kind of the, the interest or the motivation, which I can understand that it can happen when everything is so much up in the air and you don't really know what's going to happen. So it's it could be difficult to motivate yourself if you don't have a clear goal. But I assume it's been very different now this summer. Yes, of course. Now, yeah, I, I think we have a really good plan which races we will do. We have if every athlete a plan yeah on on which races they want to have their top form and so i think that the focus is much better now this season is there anything else uh, you want to say about uh, your team before we uh, move on anything something that we don't know about your team because you are the only pro team uh, from switzerland so i assume uh, uh, a lot of people don't know that much about you, you guys, or your team. Yes, I, I think maybe it's just something in Switzerland, but the the people think always, yeah, that they don't know how high the level is in, in Wisma Ski Classics. And I think the first one or maybe two years, that was also a bit of a problem for the, the team members. Because they thought, yeah, it's it's fun to do races, but maybe we're not professional enough for the World Cup, but we're good enough for Wisma. And Wisma developed so fast. Now my athletes see how hard they have has to work for Wisma Ski Classics. And yes, maybe we will get also the the normal people that they know that they are really professional athletes also in the Wisma Ski Classic. So would you say that this message is finally uh, coming across, that people are not just your team members, but the other skiers in your area, in your country, are starting to realize that to do well uh, in the Pro Tour, you really need to be a great skier? Yes, I, I think, and, and yeah, it, maybe it also helps when Tony Leavers, as a really good skier, yeah, don't win every race in Wisma Ski Classic. So the normal people see that also the, the best skiers in Switzerland are not, not the best skiers in the Wisma Ski Classics here. 
That's a good point. Uh, then before we move on, uh, kind of a long-term goal. We talked about last year, upcoming year, uh, you guys been around for four years. But when you look into the future, you have a crystal ball and, and gaze upon that. What are you seeing? What do you want to see in your crystal ball in terms of your team and cross-country skiing in your country? Yes. Um, yeah, for me, of course, I hope that the, the most athlete I have now in the team that they continue as long as they can with Mission Ski Classics because I think it needs time for the young athletes. They can't have the feeling, yeah, we do it now two years and then, then we are in the top 10 in Wisma Ski Classics. So they need time and I, I hope that my athletes also take the time and then I, I think I have especially with Andri Schlittler an athlete who has the possibility to be one of the best skiers in the series. So, yeah, our goal is for the next two, three years to be in the top 10 in the team ranking. And yeah, it's hard to tell, but maybe in five years we want to be one of the, the leading pro teams in the series. Good goals, really good. It's always good to have the, those goals, and I can see the kind of the passion that you're oozing and your team is oozing, oozing. So I really hope that you know you got you guys will be able to fulfill those those goals and and dreams. But let's move on. And as I said earlier, now we are going to talk about you, Marcus Marcus Falser, as a person. I kind of find out how you got into this and why you're doing cross-country skiing. Because as you said, it's not the biggest sport in your country, but you're passionate about it. So let's find out why. Now, going back, and if you recall maybe your youth or whenever you kind of decided to do cross-country skiing, or how did you get into it and... When did it become a passionate sport of yours? Um, I, I grew up in a small village near Davos. And how we told before, the conditions are perfect for cross-country skiing. So I just started with my family to ski when I was really young. And then I got in in the, in the racing in cross-country ski. And I went in the sport gymnasium in Davos as cross-country skier. And I did actively cross-country skiing till I was 20, 21. But the last two, three years of my career, I had back problems. So I, yeah, that, that was the end of my career. But right after the sport gymnasium in Davos, I moved to Norway and did in, in Meerakker um, a sports study. And so I got in in the coach business, I think. So do you speak Norwegian? Yes. Snakke lite norsk. Yeah. But we're not going to we're not going to do it here. <laughs> but oh, that's interesting. So, but how well how well did you do? Uh, in skiing when you uh, when you were junior skier um yeah i i was maybe i was in the top 5 in in switzerland 
I didn't made it to a junior world championships or things like this, but I did some some medals in Swiss championships. Yeah, but yeah, I was an okay skier, but not a a really good skier, I think. But then you moved to Norway. Yes, I moved to Norway. The plan was I moved to Norway to do the study beside of actively cross-country skiing. But because of my back problems, I stopped there with skiing and just did the sports study. And how did you like the country? I mean, both your country and Norway are countries with a lot of mountains. Yes. Um, yeah, of course. I, I like all the Scandinavian countries really much, but I think yeah, the most cross-country skiers here in Switzerland love those countries because yeah, cross-country skiing is just yeah, much bigger there. So the, the main reason why I moved to Norway was because I was really interested in cross-country skiing and I, yeah, my goal was to learn from the best. And for how many years did you stay in Norway? I stayed three years in Norway and then I moved back to Switzerland and I got the job as head coach here in the regional team. And I started, beside of being the head coach, I started the highest coach education in, in Norway. So I moved over two years, I moved 12 times a year up to Norway and do some, some days of studying there. So that's pretty much what you've done. That you're like you're a coach. Yes, yes. I I did the the highest coach education in Norway at Olympiatoppen. Yes, and and I'm my education is coach and sport teacher. Sports teacher, meaning yes, exactly. What's in your case? It's just in the, um, yeah, in the in the normal school to do the, the, the sport, sport, sport classes. Training. Yes, yes. And you do but, that as well? No, no. I just work as coach. Okay. At the moment, yes. Have you done anything else besides being a coach? No. I started directly after my education or during my education, I started to be a coach and, and I really love it. So I could not imagine to do something else. So when you studied that in Norway, so what did you, well, this is kind of a broad question, but what did you learn or what did you realize about the kind of the coaching or cross-country skiing because as you mentioned earlier, you wanted to learn from the best. And in Norway, I assume you did. So was there some kind of an epiphany that you got about cross-country skiing or coaching? Yeah, I, I could, could learn really much up there in Norway. Because my, my mentor, when I was doing the coach education, was Tore Arne Hetland. And at this time, he was the national coach of the Norwegians. So I could learn really a lot um, technically in cross-country skiing but 
for me more important was yeah to learn how how I can handle the athletes best also mentally or to speak with them and there I could learn a lot like what exactly what are kind of the theses or the ideology that you picked up on um yeah in in switzerland the coach is yeah is just telling the athletes what they have to do and i think this is a bit different in norway so you talk much more with the athletes and you decide things together with the athletes not just that the coach tells the athlete now you have to do this so in Norway they more decide together with the athlete so the athlete by himself has a bigger responsi responsibility and that's I think it's one of the important thing I learned in Norway so it's more like a cooperation between yes. the athlete yes. and the yeah. coach yeah. And then what about training methods or philosophy? Was there anything new, anything different that you learned in terms of the long, long distance, cross-country skiing? Um, no, it was not really different because when I was active athlete, I had always Norwegian coaches here in Switzerland. And we don't have uh, a Swiss philosophy in cross-country skiing. So we have always the, uh, we have a bit of mixed philosophy in Switzerland from Norway. Now we have Ivan Hudac as, as main coach. So he is Slovenian. We have a bit of mixed philosophy. So the philosophy in Norway was not really new for me. So this mixed philosophy, can you uh, elaborate on that? What, what is the kind of, what are the basics of that? philosophy that you see in Switzerland and what is kind of the philosophy that you tend to go for? Yeah, so I, I think the, the main point in the philosophy yeah, is the Norwegian philosophy with yeah, a lot of easy skiing with some maybe 10% high intensity training and yeah, then we, we have some for the highest athletes some different training methods. When Ivan started, he had a training philosophy with three days training and then one rest day. And normally we do yeah, six, six days training and then one rest day. But I think in the, in the main, the philosophy is the Norwegian philosophy we have here. Because we always had Norwegian coaches also in the national team. So to summarize that, it's basically a lot of endurance training uh, with a low heart heartbeat, and then the intensity training or intensive sessions are about ten or fifteen percent, yes. meaning intervals yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you, as a, as a coach, since you've been coaching for so long and you studied that, how would you? sort of evaluate yourself or describe yourself as a coach what kind of a coach are you hmm. that's a good question i think i'm i'm really 
Um, I'm really in, in technique training. And I always want to find out new things in, in technique training. And in generally, I think I'm a, normally I'm a, a easy coach, when I can say that. Not too hard for the athletes, but sometimes when I need to be hard with the, with the athletes, I can also be hard with them. But, yeah. But they tend to trust you, they tend to count on you. And... I, I hope so. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think we have a really good relation together with the athletes. Yeah. Since you are uh, technically aware or you put a lot of focus on technique, and of course, Visma Ski Classics and long distance skiing is double poling. That's, that's what we do. Uh, anything there you want to say about technique wise? Because you keep your eyes open, as you said, and you're always into new things. And this is something that I have talked to a lot of our athletes, like Max Novak, for example, who said that he paid so much attention to his technique this, this summer. And that's why he was so good at roller skiing. Yeah. Uh, technique was one big part of it. And of course, he's good shape. But uh, technically, he was maybe a little bit ahead of the others. But in your case, what do you do? What do you do in order to stay intact with, um, with the technique and all the development? Yes. So with the Visma athletes from the beginning, I started to push much more the core training of the, of the athletes. So they do every day a core session, just 20 minutes. But I think this is one of the important parts that they are strong enough in their core. And then of course, with our young athletes, we have to work a lot on the technique in double polling, especially yeah, how they use the core and yeah, how they lean forward. And it's also important that they can do their best technique over three, four hours, I think. That's a good point. I mean, you can do well for five minutes, but when you have to do it, you know, hour, hour after hour, you know, it becomes a different ball game. Yes. How much do you think that the double polling uh, or the technique has changed ever since you stepped into the uh, arena? Um, yeah, I, I think that the technique hasn't changed that much, but I think just the, the athletes get better and better because we now have in the series some young athletes who started with 20 with long distance skiing. And I think four or five years ago, it was more like the retired athletes from the World Cup started to do long distance skiing. So I think that's why the athletes like Max Novak or Emil Persson are, are that strong at the moment, because they started really er early with focusing on long-distance skiing. And yeah, do you think that that will be the future of the sport as well? That we'll I get more I, young people that are yes. really totally into this? I think so. I think, yeah. Also, when Dario Colonia moves over to Visma Ski Classics, 
it's not sure that he will win races against Emil Persson. Just because Emil started as young athlete with double polling and he is a really expert in, in double polling, I think. And as we know, Dario has done some races and he hasn't won yes. and Barcelona and so forth. Yeah. So it's it's not that easy for those athletes to win. No. But of yeah. course, someone like him of his caliber, you know, could bring in a lot of you know exposure and 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 uh, that would be good for the sport of course uh then moving on uh, and talking about you as a person so this is who you are as a coach this is how you you know that was your kind of a lifelong dream after your own uh, skiing career uh but then what else i mean you you got to do something else in your life or are you just coaching 24/7 no i i'm coaching a lot but yeah, I'm I'm married since last October. Oh, good. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And yes, my my big hobbies are hunting. I have a hunting dog. So I work a lot with my hunting dog. Yes, that's that's me as a person. I'm I'm a lot out in the nature when I'm not coaching. Yes. Okay, hunting uh what do you hunt in your country? Um, we hunt. Yeah, we have a special, a special. What can I say? Hunting method. In in September, we are allowed to hunt deers and roe deers and the bigger animals we have here. And then in October and November, we hunt foxes and and rabbits and the smaller ones. Okay, so you have a license to do uh, go out yes. there and, and shoot yes. those those yes. animals. Okay, so hunting, that's good. Uh, anything else? Hunting, that's also an outdoor activity. Do you have something that might be a little bit easier than going out there hunting or exercising or, or coaching? No, not really. Not that I can... No. <laughs> so that's how you relax? Yes. You're always outdoors? Yes, mostly, yes. What about your wife? Is she with you whenever you go out, or what do you guys do uh, together? Yes, we, we, yeah, of course, we do a lot together with our with our dog, and yeah, we have a we we live in a nice house, a bit outside, so we have a garden, and yes. And how did you guys meet? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was just. I think 11 years ago when I was going out here in the Rose. <laughs> uh-huh. Good. You met yes. in a bar? Yes. Okay. The classic old story. Yes. <laughs> Good. Was it love at first sight right away? Yeah, I think so, yes. Well, that's very romantic. Good to hear. Good to hear. So what are your plans? Do you have any... Uh, do you, have, you don't have kids yet? No, you don't have kids yet. But of course, that's... that's uh, uh, in the plans. Yes, I think so. Yes, yeah, but not in the. Yeah, I'm. I'm not in hurry. Yeah, because you're too busy. You're hunting. You're coaching. Yes. You're traveling the world. You know, doing Christmas yeah. ski classics. You don't have time. No. <laughs> Good. Um, what else? Now we know a little bit about your family, your wife, your your hobbies. Um, is there anything else you want to? Tell us about you, Marcus Falser. 
who are you really uh, when you're not coaching or hunting? Um, are you a quiet person? Yes, I, I think I'm. I'm a really quiet person. Yeah, I. Beside of of the races, and I I like the yeah the, the calm, and yes. And how do you if you if you like calm, how do you do you just want to be with your wife? You just don't do anything, or do you just how do you kill time, so to speak? If you're inside now, I'm not. I, I know that you're outside and outdoors a yeah. lot, but when you're yeah. not, there's got to be something you do. Watch films, listen to music, eat good food, read books. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I I like to to cook and to to eat good food. So yeah, it's it's great when you have um, meat from the animals you shoot by yourself and to cook a really good meat with or a really good meal with this meat. So that's yeah, that's relaxing for me. Ah, that's good. You're a chef. What is your favorite uh, or your number one dish? The meal that you want to prepare? Yeah, my number one dish is some yeah, deer meat made out on, on the grill with some good potatoes and some vegetable from the own garden. And a good wine there? Yes, go along. Or, or a good beer. Or a good <laughs> beer, of course. We can't yes. remember, you know, forget that. What about uh, for dessert? Uh, for dessert, I really like tiramisu. <laughs> ah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, speaking of tiramisu and these, you know, different types of foods, when you travel around and since you like cooking, I assume that you kind of pick up some things here and there, some dishes or some meals, you know, from, from Scandinavian kitchen, from other countries. Yes, I, I think, yeah. If I'm really honest, I think the Scandinavian kitchen is not that that great. Of course, there there is good fish and things like this. But I think it's not the same culture, eating culture, like in Switzerland or yeah, also in Italy. So you're telling me that the meatballs aren't the greatest you know, food? Yeah, we, we have also some meatballs here in Switzerland, but they are much better. <laughs> okay. What about pizza? I mean, Italians eat pizza. Is, yeah, that, pizza. is that like great food? I don't yes. know. Pizza, really good. Italian pizza, that's really good, yes. Uh, then, if that's what you like, you like hunting, you like cooking and skiing, and so forth. Um, anything else that that you want to tell us about you or your even your country? You know that we don't know. Um, no. So that's pretty much you then. I, I think every everybody knows that we have the best chocolate in Switzerland. And what about the, the other watches? Is that a, is that a myth or <laughs> watches yes. are the clocks? Yes, we, we have really nice watches, but yeah, for cross country skiing, 
the the sport watches are more interesting than the than the the really nice watches we have here in Switzerland. So I'm not so in in this team with the watches. <laughs> then, generally speaking, I mean, of course, your country. Everybody knows the country. We have a race in your country, like the Agonela. Uh, but anything you want to say about your country? That's something that that I assume you like living in 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 Switzerland. And of course, the good thing is that you can travel everywhere. All these countries, other countries, are so close. Uh, you know, within a distance. But anything you want to say about your country in terms of a place to live? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Switzerland, we have a lot of different sceneries. Now, I live up in the mountains, but we have also some nice lakes when you are going a bit more down. And yeah, so we, we have a, a lot of different sceneries here in Switzerland. So, I think this is quite special. What is your favorite country if you can pick your home country? And why? Yes, then I, I would say Norway or Sweden. I, f I think Norway is, is also more like Switzerland. And special in Sweden is that there is a lot of, of wood and yeah, not not that big mountains so that's something special for us who are living in the mountains so norway and sweden scandinavian countries what about finland uh i i wasn't really in finland i was just once in in kusamo a service technician for the australian ski team but yeah how you know then you don't see much from the country, you just see the cross-country check. So I wasn't really in Finland, so I'm excited to go to Ullaslevi. So oh, that'll maybe be then, a... maybe then Finland is my new favorite country. Oh, I mean, it's so far. Of course, we haven't had the race in two years, uh, but it's always been a nice weather, and everybody loved the place and the race. And you know, it's it's a nice, really a nice place, uh, Levi and Ullas, both of both of those ski resorts. But you mentioned the uh, Australian ski team. That's something we haven't talked about. And uh, what's oh. the deal with that? Um, I was 2010, 2011, when I was studying in Norway, I was for some race, races, was service technicians for the Australian ski team. And yeah, that was a really big experience because I I was with with the team at the World Championship in Oslo, and that yeah that was one of the biggest experiences. Service technician meaning exactly what? I mean, like a waxing side or equipment or no waxing side? Yes. So you waxed yourself as well. Yes. Yes. Ah, so and you're a waxer too. So you know a lot about ski waxing. Yes, I'm in the team BSV Ibex. I'm the yeah, almost responsibility for everything, for organizing, for waxing the skis, for feeding. Yes. You're a one-man show. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I of course, you athlete, athlete do the work, but behind yes, the scenes, and, and, you do and everything. Have, yes, and I have some great parents and friends from the athletes who help me. But yeah, the the main responsibi responsibility is by my side. 
So the waxing, that's got to be very difficult to stay on top, you know, and because that's constantly changing and you don't have the same resources as the big teams. How do you make sure that you guys succeed? Um, hmm. Maybe just luck. No, the, the last two seasons, uh, we were, we were luck, lucky with the, the rocks decisions. We had always good skis. And I think for me as the only person in the roxing stuff and with a small team, it's important that we keep it easy, that we don't test maybe 10 or 20 different boxes, that I stay easy and test maybe five boxes and then decide which one is the best. I think that's the, the best way for us as a small team and for me as the only boxing technician in the team. Do you have sponsors or how do you make sure that you can obtain and then get all the uh, necessary waxes because there are so many different brands? Yes, no, yeah, we get some good prizes, but we, we don't have, have sponsors for rocks, but I just have to yeah, update my, my, by myself what's, what's the best and then buy the boxes and, and test them, test a lot. Yes. Do you get any help from uh, maybe the Scandinavian ski teams or the, the friends that you have? I assume you still have a lot of friends in, in Norway that can also keep you up updated. Yes. Um, yeah, but my friends in Norway are not in the Wisma Ski Classic business, so there I'm, I'm staying with alone. But, but I, have, I had the, the thought that's maybe I have to organize a cooperation with a, maybe a smaller Scandinavian team. So I maybe that is a good idea that we can yeah, profit from each other. So that's, a, have, that's a good point. I have maybe better resources here in, in Middle Europe and they can use these resources and the Scandinavian team as maybe the, the better resources up in Scandinavia. So that's, yeah, maybe we find a team and if a team is interested, just send me an email. <laughs> Indeed, you know, so all the pro team directors out there listening to this uh, in Scandinavia, please send an email to, to Markus or us, you know, and, and we'll hook you guys up. You know, that's a good point. More cooperation and you guys can help them, as you said, uh, in Central Europe, uh, because the snow is different, conditions are different there. And the Scandinavian teams then then in turn help you guys when you're um, up up north. Very good idea, uh, indeed. Uh, kind of as a summary, if you think about all these things that you have to do, as I kind of said, you're like a one-man show behind the scenes. What is the most challenging that you find most daunting about your job? Um, I, th I think the most challenging is yeah, to organize a, a race where you have a long trip, especially Scandinavia, and you're the first time there. With, with the long treks, it's hard to find out where is best to feeding, so it needs a lot of organization and it needs a lot of time to, yeah, to find out what's best. 
So I'm happy that we are now in, the, in our third really year in the in the in the Visma Ski Classics and yeah the most competitions we know now. So yeah, we have the experience now. So it's getting more and more easier also for me. And what is the most uh, exciting or the greatest thing about being the team director? Um, I think it's it's really exciting the whole scenery, how it's organized, how big it is. Just when we came on the first race with the Wisma Ski Classics truck and yeah, with the helicopters filming and everything, I think that's exciting. The soaking up the atmosphere. Yes. That is always that is always great, and of course, last year was kind of tough because it was a different kind of year. I, for example, uh, didn't have a chance to uh, go, go to any of the races. I do all the commentary remotely, so it's always yes. great to be there yeah. and yeah. and as I said, soak it up and feel the you know the excitement. It's tangible. Yes. It's really yes. in the air. Yes, and that that's what we were also missing last season. That yeah, we could race, but I think. Something big is missing when the amateur skiers are not on the starting line. That is a good point. That is the nature of our sport. Think yeah. about Vasalopet with all the all those skiers out there waiting for the big bang. That's yes. that's unbelievable. But indeed, uh, thank you very much. Uh, as a, as a last question, then uh, we'll leave you and the audience with with your last thought, which is then in five years time where would you like to see yourself yourself maybe with the team or where where are you marcos in five years time in five years time yeah i hope i'm still a pro team director and i hope i'm the pro team director of a really good team in the in the yeah uh, from a top team who can find for the the wins in the competition, and I really hope that I could, yeah, or in five years when I see back that I can tell that I helped a lot of athletes to fulfill their dreams. And you have the Swiss uh, champion or podium skier there as well. Yes, of, of course, yes. But at the moment, I, I think I'm much more in the long-distance skiing than in the ordinary skiing. Because I think it's, it's how I told, the long-distance skiing is yeah, much developing and I think it's really important, uh, interesting to, to stay updated there in long-distance skiing. I think long-distance skiing has a big future, so that's why I'm happy to be in this part of cross-country skiing. And of course, that I, that's what I meant. I meant that you guys will have a Bisma Ski Classics podium skier there yeah. and, and um, kind of like a Dario Colonia of long-distance skiing, hopefully yes. in five years' time. Yes. And maybe you'll get to be a father too in five years' time. Yes, maybe if I see you on my private side, yes. Father and have my own house and yes. Than normal thing. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what we all 
pray for and go for. But thank you very much, uh, Marcos. It was really great to have you uh, on our show on uh, on Usha to Levy podcast. And I really wish you and your team all the best. And it'll be great to see you in, in Usha when the new season kicks off. Yes, thank you a lot. And thank you people out there listening once again. And remember, you can always send us uh, emails, ideas, uh, requests, uh, feedback. And that address is podcast at wsportsmedia.com. Once again, podcast at wsportsmedia.com. And now I'll say, as always, goodbye. See you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.